Since this is a wargaming podcast, I do have to specify that we are not talking about ammunition storage bunkers. This is the Veteran Wargamer. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I'm your host, Jay Arnold. Welcome to episode 21. In this episode, we speak with Jasper Ortaj about Karawanserai Publishing and the Great Wargame Survey. This this episode is called Orcs, Warhammer, Mechanoids, and Other. No, it's it's no, it's it's nothing of the sort. Anyhow, as always, the Veteran Wargamer is brought to you by King's Hobbies and Games and Special Artisan Service Miniatures. You know, it's one thing to run a company that sells stuff. You know, whether that's gaming related materials or it's stuff for other hobbies or it's books or cooking utensils at the end of the day if you don't believe in your product you're not going to go anywhere with that in mind I just got to tell you about the guy who runs King's Hobbies and Games that's Tim Spikowski he is a longtime gamer and if you listen to the episode I did with Tim on modern gaming uh, you can tell that it's not just a business for him. He he puts his heart and soul into everything that King's Hobbies and Miniatures and Special Arts and Service Miniatures do. That shows in the products he develops for Special Arts and Service Miniatures. Uh, everything from the 3D printed terrain and vehicles that he's been doing as well as the traditionally sculpted uh, 28mm uh, figures that he's been releasing as well. Uh, I definitely recommend you go check out what Tim has to offer at kingshobbiesandgames.com. That's kingshobbiesandgames.com. After this, we're going to talk real briefly with my son and his interesting sidekick name that he's come up for himself. Be back in a minute. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I'm your host, Jay Arnold. I'm joined by my son, Joey. Say hi, Joey. Hello, everybody. And I, my nickname is the, the Crusher Screamer. No one has ever called you the Crusher Screamer. Ever. Not once. I think you might be fibbing. This is just my Veteran Wargamer sidekick nickname. That's your veteran wargamer sidekick nickname, yep. Crusher Screamer. Yep. Now you have started a wargaming project of your own, haven't you? Yep, I have. Yeah, I really did, and it has squigs chained to other orcs ah, with eternity. <laughs> if you didn't catch that, he's letting y'all know that he has started an orc project. And they're pretty cool. Um, th- there's there's squigs. There's two squigs. One is jumping on a chain with a mohawk, and one is attached to a grok. Okay, what type of what type of troops do you have? Groks, orc noobs. So you've got orcs. Yep, orcs it is. Okay, all right, so. If you've been paying attention to the Twitter feed, you have seen the orcs that I've been working on 
with uh, Screamer Crusher, <laughs> and we've been having a lot of fun with it. As you can tell, he's got a very active imagination. So after this break, my conversation with Jasper. And we are back. On this episode, I'm joined by Jasper Ortage. Jasper, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing fine, thank you very much. Uh, at the moment, you're actually in the United States visiting family, is that correct? Yes, I am, yep. Uh, visiting okay. the in-laws. Excellent. Um, and uh, what we're going to be talking about today is, of course, uh, your role with uh, Caruansarai Publishing, as well as the uh, Great War Game Survey. And... Yep. Before we get started, though, I have to ask the question that I ask all of my guests, and what makes you a veteran wargamer? Uh, I would probably say define veteran, because I haven't been a wargamer that long. I've dabbled in uh, modeling a long time, since probably since I was 10 or 11. Um, started out with Prince August figures, and, mm -hmm. and I recall that at the time that when I got my first molds, they came with a sort of little catalog and a, a booklet, with, which had some wargaming rules in them. Mm -hmm. um, but they were uh, in English, uh, uh, which is not my native language. And, uh, you know, at the time, being that age, I could barely read them, and I, I didn't have any friends that were interested in playing with them. So I just, I just used my Prince August molds to make lots and lots of tin soldiers and built a great big diorama of the Battle of Waterloo and oh, neat. It, it went downhill from there um, <laughs> and I only really started wargaming ooh, what's now uh, I started experimenting with wargaming figures I don't know maybe 10 years ago and really started playing maybe 2010 so really okay. not that long you know typical okay. you know Johnny come lately expert well what kind of games were you did you start playing back about 10 years ago then? Uh, Warhammer Ancient Battles was the first rule set okay. I really played a lot. Okay, and what are you playing these days? Um, I play Chain of Command and Black Powder, Line of the Free, uh, Bolt Action a little bit, uh, okay. Battle Group, mm -hmm. World War II and the American War of Independence mostly. Okay, great. And... Um... With, if I can ask, what, what are your World War II forces? Are you using 15s for Chain of Command or 28s? For Chain of Command, it's, oh, it's all 28s. Yeah, I, okay. I sort of collecting 15, but I, I, you know, because of that modeling history and the painting history, I really like that side of the hobby. I want to put mm -hmm. a lot of effort into it. And sure. I feel my, you know, when, when I start painting a, a, a 15 mil figure, I automatically still try and put as much detail into it as I do a 28 mm. mil which means right. it takes just about as long so you know uh, what's the point <laughs> right right so you know yeah, I just I, I like you know I like the the 28 sculpts of uh, you know Paul Hicks and mm -hmm. um, yeah, some of the the newer warlord metal ones are nice too and messing around with the plastics and all that good stuff okay so I guess that takes us right into what you do for a living. Uh, that is, and what what exactly is your position or job title with uh, Uh Officially, it's managing director. 
okay. an editor of Ancient Warfare magazine, mm-hmm. uh, and in practice, because we are really a really tiny team, uh, people sometimes think, oh, it's a publishing company. It must be dozens of people. No, really not. There's just me, and um, there's Christy, who does the WSS videos and does a lot of our layout and a lot of admin work, and then we have editors for, for the magazines, and that's it. Um, and the editors for the magazines are, are spread out worldwide, so we don't sit in one office. Right. Um, and, and aside and from... So, so essentially, I'm, you know, everything from, as usual, from janitor to, uh, you know, paymaster. Okay. And aside from Ancient Warfare and War Game Soldier and, Soldiers and Strategy, uh, what other uh, periodicals do you have? We also publish uh, Medieval Warfare, and we publish Ancient History magazine. Okay. Actually, I'm forgetting somebody. We also have a marketing guru who works for us uh, a couple days a week. Okay. Um, I just haven't seen him in a while, and I forgot. Sorry, Mutz. <laughs> now, how did you get started in publishing? I started publish in publishing uh, in 2000 uh, when I graduated from college and with the history degree and I had to do something useful and I didn't want to be a teacher and friends of mine worked at a publishing company who did very commercial stuff they you know they published mag- business magazines about you know office furniture and mm-hmm. um, facility management and all that and I became editor of a magazine about uh, conferencing and hotels and stuff which I thought of all of them probably was the best because I I got to go to fancy hotels and inspect them you know sometimes <laughs> stay there for a night definitely fun to go to really expensive hotels you couldn't normally afford right. um, and those people are always you know uh, very hospitable and welcoming so I, I learned um, I learned a lot about interviewing people and about you know editing magazines editing articles thinking about you know how you, how you do all that even though it's not really the kind of magazine that people generally, you know, um, wait out at the at the mailbox to, before the next issue to arrive. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's how I got started in the, in that. And then um, I switched in 2005, I think I left there, and I went to work for a university for a while. And in the meantime, I got to know the owner of the Conserai. Um, who is a retired lawyer got to know him through my brother who was one of those people as well mm-hmm. and um, and he had an interest in history as well and, and he wanted to publish books and I um, I had ideas for magazines so we got talking and, and at the meantime I was also running uh, RomanArmyTalk.com um, which is a big forum about the ancient Roman army Mm-hmm. And uh, we played with the idea of sort of a magazine for you know warfare in the ancient world and reenactment and and all of that. So I I pitched that idea and, and we decided to try it and uh, we actually just a couple uh, weeks ago, uh, no, a couple months ago, published the 60th issue of Ancient Warfare magazine. So the 10th wow. anniversary is just behind us. Excellent. Yep. Okay. And then which which magazine came next after that then? Um uh, Medieval Warfare was sort of in the 
in the cards for a long time, but uh, in, it just worked out that uh, in 2010, the Spanish company who, um, who started War Game Soldiers and Strategy, they stopped publishing it. Uh, and then I got talking to Guy Bowers, who was already the editor. Mm-hmm. And we went to Spain, uh, to Madrid, actually, on the day, I kid you not, the day after the World Championship Finals uh, of 2010 uh, between the Netherlands and Spain, which Spain won. Um, and that's not a big deal here in America, but everywhere else in the world it is a big thing. So right. it, that was a, an interesting atmosphere to be in Madrid in because the newspapers were full of, you know, the Spanish angels and the Dutch devils. Um, so in, in that general, in, in that scene, we went and visited the Spanish publishers and we talked for a while and uh, started a negotiating process. And in, at the end of that year, I think, or early 2011, we made a we made a deal, and uh, we were going to restart WSS. And in sort of spring of 2011, the first new issue of WSS appeared at almost the same time as the first issue of Medieval Warfare. Okay. okay. And then Ancient History was started with a Kickstarter in 2015. Yeah, first issue came out in November of 2015. Okay. Now, as you've been with Carowancerai, what, well, 10 years now at least, right? Yeah. Um, 12 years, I you've, think. You've, 12, okay. So you've been doing that, been doing the magazines, but also a, a growing list of, of books as well. Mm-hmm. And those are, you know, historically based, of course. And do you think, do you prefer the ongoing process of producing a magazine uh, to producing a book? Is there maybe more gratification with one than the other or do they both have their have their high points I'm sure they both have their high points um, but I have noticed that for me I I like the magazine process a lot more I mean it has a big disadvantage which is you know as soon as you're done it's you know up to the next one and, and make no mistake don't go slacking off for a couple of weeks because your deadline <laughs> is is gonna come it comes at you like a steam train every time but I think it's a lot more it is more gratifying I think because you have that you have a much more connection with your readership mm-hmm. uh, uh, and you know you, if you get you know if you if you do the right thing then your readers will let you know and hopefully if you do the wrong thing they'll also let you know so that you can uh, change your process mm-hmm. but that I, I think that is is much better than with books, which is more of a, you know, it's a long, gradual process that builds to a peak, and then it's off to the printer, and then you might have a, a cool presentation, which is really nice and gratifying, and, and it's there, and then you know you just you send it to distributors, and and hopefully they'll sell it, and and you get some reviews. But it's it's a much more uh, much less personal process, okay. less of personal contact, I think. And right. certainly, I mean, uh, as I said, I worked at university for a while, and I still know some some people there, and, and they publish their book, and you know, it's maybe a couple hundred copies, and they go to university libraries, and and, 
and a handful of people actually read them from you know both ends of the book right. and everything in between uh, usually for review and, and and that's it and you go ah oh, you know it's so much better just you know even if something goes wrong somebody doesn't get their copy they they email you say oh i'm looking i'm waiting for my copy you said it was on its way where is it i want to read you know the, mm-hmm. that's annoying you know it's it's annoying that you haven't been able to to give them what they paid for and what they're expecting sure but it's you know secretly it's also kind of cool to know that people really look forward to getting your their magazine right 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 are there any highlights from any of the magazines or maybe war game soldiers and strategy in particular that that you've kind of enjoyed through the years hmm. uh that's hard that's a disadvantage <laughs> because you know people sometimes they comment on an issue that came out four weeks ago because there were five or six weeks ago they just picked it up in the store mm-hmm. and that means that it went to print four weeks before that right and and you you've probably put the next issue to bed at that time or and already or you're just in the deadline of that and it's, it's sometimes it's hard to think back to issues and go ah oh, that one was really successful that worked really well yes there have been issues where you go i'm really happy with that one and sometimes you go it didn't you know it could have been better but luckily right. the next one is coming in a couple of weeks right uh okay it's it's kind of how it goes it, it's it's you know it's uh you're always working with the next one right for, you know for example i i picked up the see today is we're recording on july 31st and i picked up a copy of war game soldiers and strategy yesterday at a barnes and noble store in st louis that mm-hmm. you know it's the the 1917 issue with the with the trench scene on the cover so you probably that actually probably went to bed what in may that's issue 90 uh yeah well in the u.s it's it's even worse because the the magazines actually get shipped here that is as mm-hmm. by boat yeah um, that copy went to the printer uh, march 25th i think <laughs> oh yeah there's uh, a little bit of a had, lag time for us <laughs> it had to be it had to be done before salute yeah uh, it came out at Salute, and then yeah, it goes on the on the boat by then. And of course, it's a bi-monthly magazine, so they have a fairly right. long stretch in the shops. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's. It, I've been looking at ways to see if it's possible to shorten that period, you know, so that it's the same time in the stores in the UK as it is in the US. And mm-hmm. really, the only way to achieve that would be to finish the magazine even earlier. And then sit on the UK copies while the US ones are on their way. Yeah. Uh, it becomes, you know, impractical and you have to pay somebody to store all those things in the time and you have to coordinate right. real carefully and you're probably never going to get it right anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> apart from giving Gaia a heart attack about the idea that right. everything has to be done even earlier. Right. Now, you mentioned the UK and the US. Are are those the two primary markets for your magazines, or well, they're English lesser... language magazines, so it makes oh, that's sense true. that uh, <laughs> yeah, North America, uh, uh, the United Kingdom, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, it makes sense that that's where the the bulk sure. of the magazine goes. But we actually do quite well on the European continent as well, in mm-hmm. the Netherlands, Belgium, Germany, 
Scandinavia we do pretty well Spain Italy yeah. France a bit the French magazine market is it's a, a thing upon itself and it's you know if you ever get a chance and, you, and you're in France and you read a little bit French um, go into a French magazine store they have a huge national production with high quality magazines which is if you like to look at magazines it's fun if you know if yeah. you're not weird like me you might not enjoy it but yeah now speaking of challenges as far as publishing bi-monthly well four different bi-monthly magazines and you know an ongoing series of books are there any challenges that you enjoy as in your role working in publishing uh, there's always challenges uh, I actually kind of despite my background as a as a softy history major I, I like the the logistics challenges I find those just interesting and kind of marvelous mm -hmm. to think about you know you send off a PDF to a printer in Eastern Europe and then about eight eight weeks later that magazine sits on shelves in the whole world um, right and you know getting grip on that process is, is I find you know is just interesting from that point of view but um, you know the, as an editor the the challenge the, the most fun and interesting challenge is to get a magazine together where you feel like you know every article is is up to your standards and they sort of mesh together to make a, a, a really good and interesting magazine and it's very different for the history magazines and for WSS. Mm -hmm. in, in WSS we we try to I think we try to provide lots and lots of ideas for for things you could do with with your wargaming with scenarios the scenarios that made that you know is always always written for a specific um, historical event but if they're written well you can adapt them to something else but you know bits about terrain about painting uh, or you know we're we have the Henry Hyde is writing a tactics series for us mm -hmm. which uh, I, I think we're, we're the guy and I and Henry are still trying to really get the best out of that but, but you know the the idea is to have a, a kind of article that nobody else has of course mm -hmm. with with ideas you know what you know you have all your troops um, and if you don't have a military background or even if you do how do you, how do you use them on the battlefield uh, in a historical way that still works also with your rule set. Mm -hmm. So right, and, and, and in the end, you know, you want to build, you want to have a magazine that is just fun to read, that people enjoy picking up, uh, that they can read short bits uh, when they have the time, you know, when they're when they're retreating for a couple minutes, or if they have a little longer, they have, you know, you have a couple more media articles. That's always the play getting the magazine to have a nice balance that's that's a challenge i enjoy yeah okay you had mentioned the the series on tactics that henry's doing and that it's kind of something you've been wanting to do is there a is there a dream topic that you'd like to see a book written on or maybe an article or even article series for the magazines um yeah so i probably um you know f for if i think about ancient warfare which is you know where I started, which is what I still, or I again edit. Um, you have so many um, topics you'd like to, to to write about, I think, but they're often just impossible or very difficult to do because the you know the source material may just not be there, or the right uh, the illustrative material is not there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I I got my degree in classics and you know oh, Greek yeah, and Roman well. literature, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, a lot of the upper level work I did in Latin was on Catullus, so uh-huh. <laughs> you know. There's only so much dirty poetry you can read before you... <laughs> I gotta find something else, and luckily someone had taken a scroll of a bunch of his poems and stopped a stopped a wine bottle with it, and then chucked it in the trash, and luckily, <laughs> one day someone was combing through this old Roman trash pile and found this bottle with this, with this scroll plug in it, so... Yep, but yeah... Was... And, there, good, and there's good. so many different books and scrolls that have references to books and scrolls that no longer exist. And and you you sit there reading them, and they'll say something like, you know, of course you'll refer to this scroll that's in whatever shelf and whatever row in Alexandria. And you, <laughs> you just go, oh, dang it! But, uh, yep. oh yeah. That's... Every time people go, oh yeah, and they're, just, they're, they're reading more of the... Uh, of the scrolls, the burnt scrolls from the library in Herculaneum. Right. And every time I hear about that, I go, yeah, and they'll find another poet. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, is perfectly fine, but my interest is definitely in the, the more the hard history stuff. Sure, sure. So, yeah, there, there's so much there that you'd probably want to, you know, in the end, which is always fun to think about in relation between, you know, the Ancient Warfare magazine and WSS. Mm-hmm. You know, as a war gamer, you, and certainly as a war games rules designer, you have to make decisions about how, how are my rules going to work, you know? Right. If my hoplites attack those legionaries, what is likely to happen? How did that happen in, in, in reality? And there's, you know, there's a lot of, stuff written about that with a lot of apparent confidence uh, and the more you I work on ancient warfare the more I go yeah actually <laughs> we don't know that much I mean how the phalanx right. worked people are still debating that um, right. which is makes for I think very interesting articles once in a while right um, and that you know that kind of stuff is is fascinating to me and you can do endless uh articles on it i don't know if they're dream articles but sure i hope the readership likes them right 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 and it's it's you know the classic you know wonder you know you always wonder did archimedes different machines actually work for example well we, we had an article on the uh, on the mirror and that's okay. actually that's a i think a fourth or fifth century source that reports that so he's a bit after our community's actual time right <laughs> or, or greek fire for example you know what was what yeah. was greek fire made out of you know that's, that's the classic example i suppose no it's a bit after my yeah, my general time but yeah yeah so, so so many of those i mean yeah it's it's just interesting so with uh you mentioned that being after your time, so I'm guessing that you're having run the Roman Army Talk forum. Then I guess you're probably more what? Uh, well, obviously the Romans, but early Imperial to mid mid Imperial. Hey, what what time frame is your preference there? My own. Uh, well, yes. I, when I worked at university, I was working on a PhD thesis on the Roman Imperial Navy. But you know, then then there was a magazine, and that sort of drifted to the background and I'm still supposed mm-hmm. to 
finish right. that, but I'm not sure that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, yeah. To my regret and shame, but uh, entirely different topic. Anyway, but yeah, that the early imperial era is my uh, my okay. personal specialty. Yeah, I, me too, and I kind of refer to them as the the Hollywood Romans because. At least as far as we can tell from Trajan's column, you know they had the rectangular shields and the the lorica and the, you know, yeah, the, the standard what Romans. we think Everybody of as Romans. Of it as standard yeah. Romans, yes, exactly, yeah, exactly. absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And which I find uh, fascinating, and there's there's so much material there that we haven't explored yet in the uh, you know in the tombstones and the altars and everything else they put up, as well as all the. Uh, the, the records that that uh, have come down to us you know there's tiny amounts if you think about it from Egypt oh, yeah. uh, you know pay slips and stuff I think we have maybe five and and we know that they Roman soldiers were paid every four months and later every three months all of them so there must have been hundreds of thousands of these things and we have tiny amounts left but those few amounts that we have left really allow us to uh, to say quite a lot about about this. You know, this it, it's not a military machine in many ways, but it's a it's very much a modern military machine in its bureaucracy. I think. Right, right. Just the the simple administration, you yep. know, the day to day. You know, that's one of the great things about the oh, I guess relatively well preserved the sites in England are. Because a lot of those trash pits, you know, sat undisturbed, and you know they're pulling, not every day, but every once in a while, you hear about a, a new, uh, collection of of wax tablets being pulled up, or even, uh, clay tablets that you know the small clay tablets that they'd write on and, and fire and send them off somewhere. Yep, um, yeah, and they those the getting found every tablets once in a while. Are, are of course, yeah. yeah, famous, strips of bark even, yeah, yeah, it, Any, it just anything happens. and everything, yeah. Yep, it just happens to be the case that. Sometimes the soil conditions are just right, and of course, uh, the UK, Western Germany, the Netherlands, France—you know—archaeology has been quite intense and uh, relatively well published there. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot more in Eastern Europe, and there's got to be stacks of it in in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, stuff is still in the ground there, or there is so much there that it's unknown uh, right. talk about dream topics you could go on forever about that about that <laughs> yeah i i think i think if i had a dream topic of something that i would not necessarily if i mean specifically about the roman uh early imperial roman period i would like to get into the heads of the four emperors in AD 69 and yeah you know, if if their diaries were ever found, and really get to the bottom of why they went through what they did that year, you know. Absolutely, yeah. That's um, that, that's a good year. We 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 did an issue about that in Ancient Warfare very recently, mm-hmm. uh, but I think we could easily get back to it because you know we got some some juicy sources, and you know everybody and their mother was given a sword and told to fight, right? Which makes for interesting articles and and reconstruction ideas. You know, gladiators on ships on the on the Po River. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Marines are 
probably possibly marines of the Mycenae and Ravenate fleets and mm -hmm. the, the German army coming down and the Batavian soldiers in the middle going you know what we're not joining this club for a, we're just going back home and causing trouble right 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 yeah that'd be that'd be great that'd be great what's uh what's next for uh Karawansarai? is there are there any new projects that you're working on that you can talk to us about or is there an overarching strategy that you're trying to implement um we are always working and playing with ideas for the, for the future but there's yeah, there's nothing i re really can say i think now there's a couple of books in the works um trying to working on specials for ancient warfare medieval warfare we are always tinkering with the idea of you know the next time period after medieval warfare but the the, the biggest issue we found really with um with these magazines it, it it's crucial to find the right editor who has uh, the right touch for has a good idea of, of you know what people who are interested in that period want to read and who's got the network mm -hmm. to find the authors who can write about it in an engaging and an accurate way um, and right. you know, there's, there seem to be well we haven't found the right person for that yet let's, let's put it that way mm -hmm. yeah ac accuracy is a somewhat of a relative term <laughs> the further <laughs> the further back you go as, as yep, you well yep. know it's a have, pain have in you... the posterior in fact but you know you can always yeah. try have there been? I wonder. Have there been any uh, controversies, for lack of a better term, of any about anything that you've published? Um, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there, there have been articles <laughs> where, with hindsight, people go, you know, that was really not that good, or uh, you know, sometimes stuff just slips through. You, you try as editor, you try and mm -hmm. uh, and guard the quality and the and the accuracy of your magazine. Um, you can't actually check everything and in the end you know it's it's the the responsibility of the author themselves right which is a bit of a weasel uh way of yeah. saying it but it, it's 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 kind of it, i think we try harder than a, a lot of publishers publishers uh, and i hope that shows sure. um and, and that's all we can do uh, maybe that's a better response yeah uh, i'm gonna switch gears on you and talk a little bit about the great war game survey if you don't mind uh, um, i don't mind I, I don't think people came here to listen about us dreaming about ancient ideas well you never know <laughs> <laughs> one thing i found in in running this podcast now for eh, close to a year now is you know what i might consider a throwaway comment you know someone really enjoyed i, I get feedback like that from time to time so you never know okay. so we are of course talking about the great war game survey it is going on right now uh, the link yep. will be in the show notes, and that goes until August nineteenth. Yep, that's right. Yeah, so the twenty seventeen edition of the Great War Game Survey currently live is going to go until. So you're going to collect data until the nineteenth yes. of August. And um, what prompted the Great War Game Survey? Um, well, it, mostly the fact that there wasn't one. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, one of the other magazines used to do a, a survey around the beginning of the year, but it was a paper survey. Uh, and we thought that, you know, in the 21st century, 
probably get a lot more response if you did it digitally. And um, in 2014, 2014, yeah, 2014, we just, Guy and I were talking about it and we said, let's try it, see if we get some response. And we said, well, you know, if we get, you know, if we get two and a half thousand responses or so, that'd be cool. And we got 7,000 something. Yeah. So we were like, apparently people like to take surveys. Uh, what do you know? People like to have surveys that ask them about themselves and their hobbies, uh, which is not very surprising. Yeah. Uh, shouldn't have been anyway. So we decided to do it again and again and again and again. And what what was the first year? 2014. That did that. 2014. So this is going to be the fourth iteration of it. Yep. And we've got three years worth of data. Is that enough to establish a trend yet? You think or no? Well, we always started with this. Um, you know, the big question is the is the hobby graying? And people always seem right. to worry about that. Um, I'm going to say it doesn't really look like it. And the thing I've I've written a blog about this, or maybe more than one before. It, if anything, it seems to me that there's maybe uh, I've called it the wargaming generation gap. That there seem to be sort of an older crowd of people who do their thing, and there are, there are plenty of younger war gamers, but they don't seem to, you know, people seem to sort of stick. Many war gamers, and there's lots of exceptions to everything I say. Of course, it's a survey, and talk about averages, and, uh, and you talk about people who take the survey, and nobody else. So you know, if it doesn't apply to you, don't be shocked. But it seems like a lot yeah. of people sit, sort of play in, in with their own group, uh, often sort of in the same age range, and that's who they play with. Uh, and they don't necessarily find new people, or, or they, you know, and, and so you get different groups, and the, and the different groups might play different games. I mean, it, it seemed like last year I, I called it the answer is forty two. Um, uh, being the age when, on average, people seem to switch, or there's more likely that you'll, you know, you'll you'll be interested in historical wargaming, mm -hmm. because I think that was the age, where, or roughly, it seemed to be about when, um, in age groups, we have a we have one question is or sort of which era or period or setting are you most interested in. And right. it's always sci-fi and World War II that are at the top. And under 40, it was sci-fi that was on average just at the top. And over 40, it switched. Uh -huh. So, you know, some of those things are, are very interesting to look at. Uh, this year, we, we always change the, the question. We try to improve the questions every time. And we sometimes switch some questions in and out. Uh, one thing that I just noticed uh, on the survey today, we have well over 6,000 responses now. Wow. There is a there's always been a question sort of what do you you know which aspects of the hobby do you really find important you know just hanging out with your friends painting miniatures uh, is it all about the game is it about researching the background you know all, all those things and right. uh, somebody pointed out last year hey you guys you, you didn't actually give the option of saying that you just enjoy collecting collecting the miniatures um, which was correct that that wasn't there and I added it in and <laughs> boom it's the top favorite uh, thing to do apparently 
Wow. So uh, manufacturers rejoice. I mean, people just like to. Yeah. <laughs> people just like to buy the minis. Well, there's there's people like me who have every intention of using <laughs> miniatures, All those miniatures they yeah. buy. But however, <laughs> sometimes they don't quite get where they're supposed to go. Yep. That that is the painting table, of course, and then onto the game table. Uh, getting them on the painting table is for me generally not a problem. Getting them to off the painting table in a painted <laughs> state is the other one. Yeah. Right. If well, if getting them on the painting table is the easy part, I I need to get a bigger table <laughs> then. <laughs> Have there been any real surprises uh, through the years as the as the results have come in? Uh, I, Anything just completely and totally, I don't want to say shocking, but just something that a result that you didn't expect, I guess. I I don't think so. Um, uh, a lot of thing, a lot of times, really, um, it, it confirms what people are saying. You know, uh, we've. A lot of people have mentioned that there seems to be a trend where people seem to like smaller games. Um, and uh, we, we added a question about that. What style of tabletop wargaming do you prefer? Uh, could be sports style, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, monster games, tournament games, big battle games, skirmish style games. Guess which one is at the top? Well, I'm, well considering the question was surprises and you said that people talk about smaller games... I'm gonna say probably the like the big battle no, games no, are the top. Yeah, but I said <laughs> it often confirms what people are saying. Uh, skirmish oh, yeah, style, skirmish <laughs> style games by far at the top. Yeah. Um, interestingly, scenario-driven games are at the moment number two. Then campaign-driven games, big battle games are number four. And that that's actually kind of interesting. If you look at the graph, those four are really uh -huh. are you know between. See, I think uh, so. Big battle games is number four. That means about sixty-five percent said they enjoy that, and skirmish style is eighty percent. Number five is tournament games, and that's only twenty-two percent. So, big gap between hmm. the first top four and and the rest. Interesting. That's interesting, given the, I guess the drive for lack of a better term especially in the sci-fi and fantasy games to provide a tournament worthy or tournament tournament style set of rules and that that's actually kind of one of the things that has kind of turned me on to the latest edition of Warhammer 40,000 is right in the main rule book they say okay if you want to play a tournament style game here's how you put your army list together but if you're not really into that here's some alternatives which really, and you know, focusing on narrative, narrative play, for example, and skirmish type play also, which has actually given me, you know, reason to get back into Warhammer Forty Thousand. Which kind of surprised me when you had the question in there: Do you play or do you intend on playing Warhammer Forty Thousand? Um, I don't recall seeing that question in the past. Is that a was that a new question, well, or it's, it's am I just misremembering slightly? Things? Um, we. In the in the setting or period question, we used to have sci-fi, fantasy as sort of big categories. Um, but Guy mm -hmm. and I talked about it, and, and we said, you know, 40k and uh, Warhammer, uh, Warhammer Fantasy or Age of Sigmar. It's, it's been 
I think it's been two years now, so it's it's true. It should be Age of Sigmar. Mm -hmm. Those two are so big, it's it's almost silly to say no. You lump them in with the rest. Um, so we decided right. to split them out, and, and that gives interesting effects at the moment. But we're we're way not done. I think. Um, I think the fact that tournaments is so low and uh, and Warhammer forty thousand is fairly low and far below sort of science fiction not forty k uh, reflects the fact that uh, for this we've been doing this for ten days now mm -hmm. the survey and we've promoted it only through our own channels so we did you know we had our own newsletter and our Facebook page mm -hmm. and, and and the blog really. And that's that's it so far, and it's been especially on social media. It's been shared far and wide, which is great. But right. I s suspect that doing it that way, those the, this first period, we've reached mostly historical war gamers. And mm -hmm. um, I'm planning on this week to try and you know just put news items out on Daka Daka and on Battle Lost Souls and you know all the more bi bigger. Sure. Um, sci-fi and fantasy sites and try and get a lot of input from that right. side because the, the thing that people have said from the beginning is you know how do you make sure that you get all war gamers evenly um, uh, to take part in the survey and then that, that's very hard because mm -hmm. I mean right. if you look at the size of GW you think that everybody else together doesn't add up to their turnover it might not be true anymore um that's the hardest thing to, to figure out but if you know in, in number of people who play uh, games workshop games should outnumber everything else yeah and, and so it's, anyway. it's interesting that right and it's interesting that you put that question specifically in this year um, because this time last year I would have told you no I don't plan on playing Warhammer 40,000 but with the new edition yeah I I jumped at it and with what they with what they've done with it and not only with 40k but with just their company and how they're actually engaging their audience and trying to get some of the old hands like myself back uh yeah absolutely in fact I'm planning on I'm planning on playing 40k this weekend so I I I I kind of wish that you had had that question in the past but to to gauge yeah, yeah you know it's true. how many folks are coming back to yeah. it but you know you can you know unless you got a time machine handy I, I would imagine you're probably not going to waste it on going back a year to your no you know, that, to yourself a year ago difficult. and saying hey add this question yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no that that's you know it it's that's why I also I just want to keep doing it because. Every year right. you do them, you go, you know, that should have been in there. We just improve that question a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe sometimes clarify a question. You, you learn from every edition, or we learn from every edition how sure. to improve it. Uh, and, and, yeah, you're entirely right. I mean, uh, the reason that it's in there is also because people have been, uh, you know, we've been hearing enthusiastic um, sounds and, and exclamations and declamations all over the internet people go oh well you know 40k is worth looking at again uh, that right. made us realize you know what we sh it really should have been in there from the get go so you can only fix it from this point on 
Right, right. Anything else you wanted to want to say about uh, the survey? Uh, no, I, uh, I I look forward to really getting into the data, and uh, and I hope we get more people to respond to it than last year. I always hope to do better than mm -hmm. before. So go to www.greatwargamingsurvey.com. Okay, and that's going to be through August 19th. Yep. Now, you told me before we started recording that it's going to pretty much take you the rest of the year to go through the data. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge pile. Um, uh, yeah. But, I yeah, I just go through based on questions because you can, you can filter and try and cross-reference all kind of stuff, and there's so many things you could ask the data. Um that I, I, you can keep working it on it forever, but I, but I unfortunately have other stuff to do as well. Um, right. <laughs> but if people have, you know, specific questions, and that means not questions related to manufacturers or specific games, because we we try. Right. Forty K and and Age of Sigmar really are the exceptions. We try to keep it neutral as far as that goes. Uh, mm -hmm. But you know, if people have questions about style of gaming or differences in regional differences or age group differences, or you know, I I'd be happy to entertain suggestions about what we could try and answer. Uh, that that's kind sure. of fun. If I have a specific question I think is interesting, I'll just dive into it and and see if I can whiz up a blog about it, and then everybody can read it. So yeah. Feedback and it's the best thing to do. That being said, though, do you do you see any interest from the publishers and manufacturers about the data you collect? Uh, yeah, some people do come to us and say, "Can you help us with a specific question?" And uh, okay, know, depending on how nice we are, we we say yes or no. <laughs> yeah, uh, mostly we say yes. Okay. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to. Well, probably the end of this year, beginning of next year, and have you back on to talk about the All results right. for the 2017 survey. That's fine. And, uh, uh, and if you seriously, yeah, if you have, have any you specific again. questions, like, hey, maybe you can look at this or that, uh, I'm happy to. Uh, it, it gives me ideas to, to look at the all the material because it's, it's so much, it, it's almost overwhelming if you think about it. It's, it's like right. 30 questions, thousands of answers. Almost all the questions have sort of essentially sub-questions, you know, lines of possible right. answers, yes, no, or a lot less, you know. If you multiply all that, it's millions of points of data. Sure. Do you have anything like a standard process that you go through, or you just kind of jump in and jump out as, as time allows? Mostly that, yeah. Also because there's, you know, the questions okay. are slightly different every year, and some question... You know, don't change very much. You can almost in in, in the with a single look. Uh, you can looking at the graphs for like age or something. You can see it's it actually doesn't change that much. Uh, of course, the age huh. groups are pretty big. Um, right. But uh, it it looks a little bit different at the moment than last year. But on the other hand, you know we're only sixty six hundred in and not ten thousand, so. If a lot right. of if you find a whole different group of people, then it might change. That 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 is the diff most difficult thing. Do you, do you get the same people, uh, the same population to mm -hmm. uh, respond? It's actually right. 
Right. I we always since the second ish uh, edition we've we've asked, hey, have you taken a survey before? And it seems this year a fairly large number who've never taken it before. Nearly fifty nine percent say that they've not taken it before. So that's, well, that's different. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in a way, I mean, I've always figured that if some responses stay sort of stable, even though the population apparently changes, that that makes them probably more reliable. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to the to this year's results and having you back on, uh, Jasper. Again, thank you very much for coming very welcome. on. Uh, I'm gonna do everything I can to get folks to the to the site to get that survey done. Pretty much as soon as I saw it was open, I went ahead and went on and <laughs> that, that always happens. And threw yeah. my two we cents got, in. It was amazing. We got some. I don't remember. I think we had. Did we have? 2000 in like 24 hours or something it, it went super fast the wow. first day yeah it always happens and it sort of peters out a bit and then you do you know you, you give it another big push and you get another spike um, and of course right, we're doing right. it at a stupid time of year when half the world is on vacation uh, well I did mine on my phone at work <laughs> so I don't know what anybody else's excuse is yeah that's true <laughs> it doesn't take very long hopefully no, not at all. Not at all. So with that in mind, folks, I definitely encourage you, if you have not yet, go ahead, go out there. Uh, let your voice be heard. If there's something uh, something that you want Jasper to know about or the wargaming hobby in general to know about, you know, like, like I said, let your voice be heard. There are a number of questions that allow you to type in your own answer or uh, give clarification to an answer that you've given, so I definitely recommend you, you take that opportunity. Uh, Jasper, again, thanks for coming you're on the show. Welcome. It's nice, it's fun uh, to do. Um, safe travels uh, while you're <laughs> here in the states for another ten days or so, and then uh, when you head back over the pond. Thank you. And with that, folks, as always, if the war gaming you're doing isn't any fun, you make it fun. That is all. The veteran war gamer is copyright J Arnold, 2017. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes. Discussion on the blog at theveteranwargamer.blogspot.com Music courtesy of bensound.com